movement, you know, of war and to realize in a war, their tactics, there's an enemy, there are targets, and there, there's a constant scheming going on to try to win, you know, this war. And uh, in, in our lives, we experience the, uh, the same sort of thing. There's a, there's a popular song that I'd like to kind of share the lyrics on right now by a, uh, uh, someone named Lauren Daigle. And um, I want you to t- take note of this and see how this ties in to this concept that we're talking about. There is a constant battle for and in our minds. It's, it's, uh, th- there's an enemy and there's a, uh, an advocate and they're allies and we, we so much need to win this battle. But uh, here is a beautiful song. If you don't get a chance to, if you haven't already, be sure to listen to it. I keep fighting voices in my mind, the song begins. They say I'm not enough. Every single lie tells me I will never measure up. You say I'm loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I feel weak. When I don't belong, you say I am yours. And I believe, oh, I believe what you say of me, I believe. Now, the truth of the matter is, we do believe that frequently in our lives and from time to time. We, we, we know God loves me, I'm enough, he cares about me, doesn't matter about some of these crazy thoughts that I have or what I think that other people, people may be thinking about me. I do believe, the problem is, just as the, uh, the brother came up to Jesus and said, I believe, but help me in my My unbelief, because it's uneven. Sometimes we're feeling this, and other times we're feeling everything but that. Even though this is God's truth, we're fighting against the enemy who is called the father of what? Lies. And he constantly is embedding lies, half-truth, even using Scripture in a twisted kind of way as he did with Jesus. Constantly, there are lies that we're being exposed to, and Yes, a lot of it is, is external of what we're exposed to, but a large amount of that is internal. It's in our head. There's a battle. We're up against an enemy, and we'll see that delineated a little bit more in just, in just a moment. And it's so important. We win this battle going on in our hearts and in, in our minds. And so we spent the last six weeks talking about this. I'm sure you'll remember we began, Jeff and Lynn talked about the battlefield, which in fact is our own mind internally. And then Michael Burns was here and he talked about the enemy. And it was a sober thought about the extent and the power and the resources that this enemy has. We can certainly defeat him, as we'll see later on, but you can't take that for granted and you can't underestimate him. And then the idea was your defense. Uh, Jordan Massey talked about that, your defense. Michael did the, uh, the one on the enemy, Jeff and Lynn, on the battlefield. And then Chase came and talked with us about the enemy's strategy and how he goes about. The Bible tells us we're not ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. But in fact, we are often very ignorant and unaware and naive about how all of this works. And then Nick and Bree last week great lesson on what is our greatest ally? Do you remember? 
the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and to make room for the Spirit in, uh, you know, in, in our lives. And I'm speaking you know, today about uh, a band of believers that that's our, I call it our next greatest ally, our band of believers, the fellow believers that are around us. You know, you guys who've been around for, uh, you know, for a few years know that for many years, Jeff and I would sort of trade off on our speaking or our preaching on Sunday mornings. Remember that? And illustrating this in the last six weeks, uh, we've had six different people who uh, have spoken uh, all of them younger certainly than me and younger even than Jeff. Michael Burns himself is kind of in his mid-40s. You know, mid and uh, it's been terrific being able to have uh, Jordan and LaToya and Nick you know, and Bree and Chase being able to share these things with us, people in their late 20s and their early 30s and mid-30s, uh, mid about the age of Jesus, that are bringing these great messages, you know, to us. And it, I think it illustrates the fact at North River, we really are a team in every way. We learn from each other, we, we, we share ideas and thoughts and concepts, and we're able to hear from a lot of great people in, uh, in our lives. I'm thankful um, for, for Nick. He did at least give a shout out, you know, to, uh, to the old guys, uh, which we really appreciated. You know, it's really interesting, as you do get older, okay, it is very important, young or old, to un there are things we need to unlearn that we have learned. Okay, and a lot of this is even how we think and how we approach this topic that we've been dealing with the last six weeks. But I, I did notice, I used to think Yoda looked really funny and weird, but as you get older, you actually start to look like that. You're, it's, it's like the most amazing thing. Your ears get bigger, you get hair in them. Kelly is always wanting, once a month, she, she gets little scissors and tries to cut out the little white hairs in my ear and it drives me crazy. I said, who's going to see that? Oh, no, you, they're, they're really long time. You got to be able to get you know, to get these, your face gets a little weird. I mean, you could put a, a ski cap on that guy. He might look like Winston Churchill. I mean, you know, for that matter. It's, but it is good, isn't it? In God's kingdom, we have old and young. And we learn from each other and we grow, you know, together. And it is important to take advantage of our relationships with each other as a true band of brothers. I'm grateful for that. And I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure you are you know, as well. The battlefield, we need to talk about that and review it a little bit. Uh, the battlefield. You do have an enemy, just like our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine have an enemy, and in other places, you have an enemy. He's not asleep at the wheel. Very powerful, very focused, has a goal, and is to continue to make a greater and greater separation between you and your God. Now, on uh, a very sobering note in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, we know we are children of God. Amen? We believe that. We are deeply loved. God cares about us. He's preparing a place for us. He's working things out for good. Yes, we are the children of God. However, the world we live in, and as we live and breathe, and as we move and go to jobs and head to, you know, the grocery store, which is a newer experience these days, go out with fewer groceries and less money, you know, there. But as we go through these kinds of things, the world, the Bible says, is in the control of who? Whom? The evil one. Your translation might say under the, uh, the sway 
of the evil one. This is very real. If if, if you don't go there in your mind and how you focus in your daily life, you, you'll just be a prisoner of war, I mean, you, without even knowing it, okay? You've got to be aware and you've got to combat this. Now, the Bible will go on to say, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. So we've got, we've got more firepower if we'll use it and we'll put on the whole armor of God and pay attention. Of course, he goes on and he says, we're not ignorant of the devil's intentions or schemes. Now that's, you know, thank you, Paul, for being complimentary to us, but that may not always be true. Sometimes we're very naive and we fully don't understand the intentions and the schemes that are working on us. And most of it is not external. It's internal in this battle inside of our head that takes us in some very weird and not great places. And then, of course, he outlines the fact, this is sobering. Uh, If if you're going to take the Bible seriously, if you're going to take the Bible seriously that God loves me, Jesus was resurrected, he's preparing a place, I'm going to heaven, that's great, that you got to take this seriously too, it's in the same book, okay? And he simply tells us that our struggle, why why we have so much of a conflict between doing what we know we ought to do and what we end up doing, or feeling or thinking a certain way, and what oftentimes we end up feeling and thinking is because there is a battle and a struggle that goes on, but it's not flesh and blood. You may think it's a flesh and blood with somebody sitting next to you in a restaurant and giving you the evil eye and being a a problem for you. But it's more than just that physical presence. There's a spiritual influence that is causing to separate people, to separate even our, our marriages, our families, what goes on in our own head. And he says, this is against the rulers, the powers, the authorities of this dark world. I mean, I love the song, you know, it's a beautiful world and all wonderful, loving, great, you know, songs, uh, somewhere over the rainbow, whatever your favorite is. But the truth of the matter is there is, although it's God's world, it's his creation, there's much beauty. It's also a challenging place to try to stay close to God. And he goes on and he says that we're against these spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And the whole point is not to scare you and and try to get you out to church more. The whole point is that you realize you have armor that God has provided for us in the scriptures and with each other. And you have fellow allies and soldiers that you can rely on, but you got to put them to use. You have to put on the armor of God. You've got to rely on each other. You have to take the time to uh, make space for, for the Spirit in your life and for the Word of God. And if not, you will be taken captive. I'm sorry if, if we're going back to Michael Burns, if this is sort of a negative you know, kind of battlefield, but it is. However, you can thrive. You can grow. You can have an abundant life, but you just got to know what you're up against. The... Um, I, when Nick, uh, listening to Nick's sermon uh, was, was meaningful, you know, for me. And uh, let's see if I can get the next slide working here. Okay. Maybe I can get some help from above. Wow, wasn't that awesome? I mean, that was a quick answer to prayer. Our greatest ally, his spirit well, our next greatest ally, as I you know, frame it in my own mind and through the scriptures here, is each other. 
It's a band of believers. It's that we have allies that can help us in our faith and in our belief. And so the Bible tells us, uh, 1 Thessalonians 3.10, I'm praying for you day and night so that I, um, I can see you again, we can get back together, and I can supply what's lacking, Paul says, in your faith. Do you have something lacking in your faith? Of course you do. do did, your, did your faith and trust and belief waver sometimes? Absolutely. But by being together and have it being a band of believers, we can help address that in each other's lives. This is going to be a fairly familiar uh, scripture. You know what? I'll just put this down and we'll... I don't know if that was me or if it was the Holy Spirit or, or the booth up there, but I'll take it. Here's in, in, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 3 and 10. Now, you've seen this a lot, some of you, but don't read over it too quickly. Here's what the Bible says. We should see to it, brothers and sisters, that nobody has a sinful what kind of heart? Unbelieving heart. So brothers and sisters who believe can start, it can start moving toward unbelief uh, because of these challenges and these lies and the enemy and his influence. But he says, but encourage one another how often? Daily, as long as it's called today. In other words, today, not tomorrow. Take advantage of it right here and encourage each other so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness or the lies of, of sin. So this idea that to have a believing heart, we need each other. And then he goes on in Hebrews chapter 10 to say, that's why you don't want to get in the habit of not coming together, whether it's your small group, your family group, here in church together, your, your times that you spend with individual disciples. You know, you don't, you don't want to get in a bad habit there because it will affect you and it will hurt your faith and your belief. It's pretty simple, you know, practice. Um, it's involved a lot of things in winning this battle, spending time in the Word, getting trenches in our life where the Scripture fills it up and it fills up our heart and our mind, also taking time and space for the Holy Spirit to be able to strengthen us and to be able to speak to us, absolutely. And then how essential it is that you have your fellow soldiers, your fellow believers close by helping you and being an ally in your life. And so as we, we go to the next slide, the idea that Nick shared with us last week was to create space in our life for the Holy Spirit. And then I'd like to be able to add on to that, that we should create space in our lives for each other. Amen. It's not an either or. It's not like which side of the, which wing of the airplane is more important. It all works together and creating space for each other is such an important thing. And oftentimes, you know, we, we, we neglect it. Okay, you ready for some musical trivia? Okay, we're going to we're going to roll back uh, from contemporary. We're going to go back a few years. You ready? So raise your hand if you think you recognize this, uh, this song. Don't blurt it out, okay? Just put your hand up. A winter's day in a deep and dark December. I'm alone. Gazing from my window to the streets below on a, uh, a freshly fallen shroud of snow. How are we doing out there? Ah, front row, nice. I built walls, a fortress deep and mighty, 
that none may penetrate. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's, la it's laughter and it's loving. I disdain. I am a rock. Not the wrestler, okay? We're talking about I am a rock because a, a rock feels no pain and an island never cries. Remember who did that song? Sure you do. Some of the veterans, the Yoda-looking people. You know, here, the Simon and Garfunkel. They were poets of their generation back in the 60s and the 70s. And uh, they shared a lot of angst and were people feeling. And this, this is a very real thing, you know, for people feeling walled off, being alone, you know, just getting by in life but I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to go through stuff. Now, and, and then, you know, saying I'm a rock in an island. There's, a, there's another guy who, uh, who wrote in the 70s. His name was John Dunn. It was the 1570s. <laughs> he, he went through a pretty uh, tough illness. You know, it was like a, a, you know, almost terminal illness. And he suffered a lot of pain and a lot of struggle. And he wrote a series of essays, you know, you know, on this theme, and one section of it was entitled, No Man is, is an Island. It was interesting because in that period of time, um, slavery was rampant. Women's civil rights were practically non-existent, certainly in the, uh, the, the era of job and pay and any kind of voting rights and that sort of thing. And there was a tremendous class system. There was the nobility, and it depended. You had to be born to a certain family, and so you had these privileges, and then everybody else was Tiny Tim and his family, you know, there. And there, there was really no middle class. Massive gap you know, uh, between people's freedoms and what they could experience in their life. And John Donne comes around, and he, he basically, in this poem, talks about equality and respect and uh, that we all really are part of the whole and need each other. No man is an island, as he started, uh, contradicting old Simon and Garfunkel. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod is washed away, Europe is the less. Any man's death diminishes me because I'm involved in mankind. And then in an allusion to the fact that uh, when somebody passed away and died in that period of time, the church bells in the, in the city square would ring. And so his final line here Therefore, never send to know for whom the bell tolls. The bell tolls for, you know, for thee. We, we're all a part of the same. We need each other in the world and absolutely in this battle that we fight in the spiritual world and, you know, in the church. It's a, it's a very, very you know, essential and important thing. In, uh, in Acts chapter 2, you remember Acts chapter 2? It's, uh, I think it's very encouraging because it talks about the fact that the early disciples, once they got baptized, they, they were devoted. It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, the Word of God. They were devoted to breaking bread in their homes, often communion meal that they shared together. They were uh, devoted to prayer, and they were devoted to fellowship. 
being together. We've already seen how often? Daily, okay? In some way to try to have some contact with a fellow disciple. It's easier in our day of media and text and iPhones and et cetera to be able to do that, but to make an every effort to do that. That was what they were devoted to do. And they shared everything together. They shared uh, their resources. They shared their, their homes. And, you know, they shared something more than just that. They shared what they were thinking. They shared what was on their mind. They shared what was on their, their heart. There's a dramatic example of, of, of this going in, in the other direction. And if you remember, if you remember this piece uh, in Acts, there's a couple, Ananias and Sapphira. Remember them? They were coming up on a special contribution, as we are. And... Um, they, uh, they had a piece of property. They have some wealth. They sold it, and they decided uh, they were going to give half of the sale of this property to, uh, to the church to be able to take care of needs, missionary needs, needs in the fellowship. Is that not inspiring? I mean, if any of you sell a piece of property this week and give half of it, you know, to the church or Generosity Sunday, I'll try to do a flip off this stage. It might not end well, okay? <laughs> I'll high five you. I'll thank God. I'll, you know, Sherwin, let's write a song. No, right. You know, I mean, for your general, I mean, we just would be ecstatic. That is so generous. That is so encouraging. Problem was, they had seen people like Barnabas give, give a, a parcel of land and, and give all of it to the church. And so they got this thing going, weird thing in their mind. Hey, we don't want to look bad. So somehow they came up with the idea, we're going to sell it for a certain amount of money. We'll keep half. We'll give half to the, the contribution, but we'll tell people we gave it all. That didn't end well, did it? What, what married couples, seriously? Having from time to time in your spiritual life had kind of discussions like this where you're not in a great place. You're not being super open about what's going on. It could be in your own marriage. It could be in your family. It could be in your heart. It could be things that you're going through. But you're just not open. How different would this story have been if just either Ananias and Sapphira had, you know, gotten with somebody in their family group and said, we're kind of struggling here, and brought it out in the open and really shared what they were feeling, what they were thinking, what they were going, going through. For, for single disciples, I mean, you know, this is very real, these feelings of, is God holding out on me because I don't have a relationship like this person and that person. I don't have the job that I thought I would have. Uh, my life is not exactly how it worked out, you know, for me. Our moms and dads, as you get a little bit older and, and maybe your kids, they don't love your church the way you do. They're not interested. They, they, they're their own people. They choose what they, they want to, but that hurts because you want to be together to worship together, to share together, and you can go to a, a bad place in your thinking. You can even blame other people or blame the church or, you know, blame the last youth minister, whoever that is, you know, or, or leader, instead of just realizing, wow, there's this battle going on, you know, uh, you know up here because, and, but, but the thing that's so important in all of it is to be open 
to be receptive about what's going on, you know, in our lives. And so what ultimately happens is we just kind of hold back. We kind of hold our heart back. We kind of just try to do enough to kind of get by and so nobody calls us on it or gets too concerned. But, you know, we've kind of closed up. We're not, we're not really walking in great faith and, and great belief. Next slide, if we can go to that. It, uh, it's interesting you know, let's go on. That's, that's a fortress, okay? Um, we already talked about that in the song. If we can head on. These passages. Let's look at this one carefully. In Ephesians chapter 4 and 22, if, uh, if, if you're home watching live stream, great time to open up your Bible and look at this or right here where you are. You can follow along, see the context of the Scripture. You were taught with respect to your former way of life to put off the old self. Now watch this. It's being corrupted by deceitful desires to be made new in the what? Attitude of our minds. That's what it means to be a new creation and be growing in Christ. There's some things that are changing in our mind and in our thinking and the way we approach it as opposed to the old way of life and put on this new self created to be uh, like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now watch this piece. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor because we're all members of one body. He's talking about being one body in, in the church. Now, personally, as I think this through and look at the context, I don't think he's talking about some we call ball-faced lie. Hey, yeah, 1997, I was at the Masters, and I saw Tiger Woods go on a roll. And, or I scored 20 points a game in high school. You know, or X, Y, Z, I mean, some big old bold lie, you know, trying to look better and that sort of thing. I think this is more that we're just not speaking the truth. What's really going on in our life, but in our what? Mind. What we're thinking about. What the challenges are that we're going through, uh, thinking in a negative way. And not in a faithful, positive, you know, kind of way. And not really letting the people close to us in our small group, in our intentional relationships, even in fellowship after church, like what you're experiencing and what you're going, going through. And he tells us, therefore, uh, in James chapter 5, 16, you know what you do as a disciple when, when you sin? And honestly, don't you think at some point in your Christian life, your sins are more sinful thoughts than they are sinful actions? Generally speaking, that's the case. Now, we have sinful actions, too, that we can be open about, share with one another, and so we can be healed. Don Burroughs, one of our counselors in the 9 a.m. service, said, you know, if you reveal it, you can heal it. Okay? That's his sort of his, uh, you know, phrase that he uses. If we can be open about what's going on in our lives, that can be powerful and effective, and it can be tremendously healing. Last week, um, well, I just got to maybe say this personally. Um, I made a decision. Um, this was about a year after getting baptized. I actually made a decision that I am not going to allow other people to influence my thinking, you know, in the church. Um, my mom was not a fan of the church, at least until two years later when she got baptized. But she wasn't initially. And uh, she, she would tell me, she said, you are just that church's little marionette. Now, I didn't know what a marionette was. I had to kind of look that up. That's like a little puppet. 
And, uh, you know, that, that campus ministry just tells you what to do. And, you do. and so, you know, I went back to campus ministry after that break, and I was determined, I'm not going to let anybody influence me. I'm going to do my own thing. Still went to church, and it, you think that was a positive thing in my life? Didn't that really help my relationship with Kelly in my dating life? You know, it went exactly the opposite, you know, you know direction, because I was listening to all this stuff in my head. The idea is... As a band of believers, we allow each other to influence us. We give permission for other brothers and sisters to help influence our thinking and to work through, you know, certain, you know, certain things. And on this area of confession, I remember 20 years later in my life, because I'd gone through some hard times and had really messed up in my life and had been very open and transparent and confessed it, but, you know, the consequences were painful for me, so I decided I'm just not going to be open anymore because I don't want to go through the pain. I don't want to hurt other people. don't want to hurt my wife. don't want to hurt other I'm just going to stop it. You think that was a positive thing for me? No, that didn't turn out really positive either and had to work through that because openness, realness, confession, sharing, being open, speaking the truth to each other, being allies to help each other believe the proper things about God is so much a big part of God's plan. And I want to kind of like um, kind of wrap it up here. I think my next slide probably is a slide of uh, something that uh, Nick put up about cathedral and, and, and concert last week. And I thought about it when I listened to his sermon last week uh, because I saw some cathedrals. We go to the next, you know, the next slide there. Kelly and I, uh, we just got back from our 45th anniversary cruise. We went on a seven-day seven cruise. I don't know what you're clapping about. Uh, sure, it wasn't the weather. It wasn't for KLM Airlines because our bags still aren't here, you know, but... Uh, you were trying to give me some encouragement. You know, want that. We went to um, uh, Lisbon and went around the tip of Spain and ended up in Barcelona and, uh, and then tried to get on a plane. That was an experience. Um, a lot of interesting things happened on our cruise. In fact, our boat getting, you know, uh, kind of messed up, phone lines going down, worst seas they'd experienced in a long time. Oh, but other than that, it was really great. <laughs> It was really great. Can't, can't wait to get some clothes back, you know, as, as well. But we, we saw a couple of cathedrals. Um, I kind of got these three periods in my life where I've had some cathedral experience. Five months after I became a disciple, my granddad, who was schooled in, in, in Europe, in Germany, said, hey, Tom, I want to send you to Europe for a month so you can kind of get more well-rounded and see Europe. Now, I, I was an eager young Christian. I said, I'll go for a week because I want to come back and help the teen ministry. Um, thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, fortunately, God's given me some opportunities to be able to go back. But I remember going as an 18-year-old, new Christian, and going into some of these cathedrals, and I was like, what a waste. Boy, I, you don't need that to go to church. Our little church, 14th Street, you remember that? I mean, it was like Dinko, you know. I mean, you sure don't need that. And I was like, whatever. Okay, that, that just seems like not great. And, um, and then years later in my uh, late 30s, Kelly and I went to uh, 
to, to Europe to help plant some churches in Paris and in Munich and, you know, in Berlin. And we, we got to see more cathedrals because uh, that part of the world is much older than we are. Kelly and I saw on this trip olive trees that are five times older than our country. I mean, that's kind of how it goes down, you know, there. And just, just people, wars and lives and building cathedrals over so many, over so many centuries. But when, when I was in cathedrals at that time, I, I spent more time and it was like, wow, this is like beautiful. The, 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 the artisanship, I mean, it's incredible. It's, and also so quiet. And, you know, peaceful. And, and then this time around, when I saw some of, uh, of the cathedrals, there was a whole other thought, you know, that I had. Because you look at it at the intricacies of the, uh, the lattice work, the ceilings, the walls. I mean, we just throw a coat of paint on our walls, right? These guys would spend decades just doing a wall. And what, what hit me, and... Uh, and I, I, did, I said, how old are these things? And I found out places like uh, Notre Dame Cathedral is over, uh, over 300 years old. It took them 300 years to finish it. There are like a dozen cathedrals in France that took over 300 years. And, and I just realized, you know, and, and this was a source of pride to the whole community. The idea was to honor their God and to some extent their king. Um, you know, by building this, and the idea was... I'm going to give my very best, and I will never see the end of it in my lifetime. I'm never going to see it, but I'm committed to it because of what we're doing as a people, what we're doing as a band of believers, what we're doing to try to honor our God and to do something special, you know, with our lives. They obviously didn't have the resources, the technology, and other things that we have, you know, today. And, and, and I was really more moved by that, and it made me think, you know, that's, that's a good bit the way it is with our faith. You know that uh, it's been going on for 4,000 years, our brothers and sisters serving God and trying to help build up the kingdom of God, and in our own fellowship for 40, 50 years, you know, we've been making investments We've been trying to pour our lives, our time, our finances. Generosity Sunday's coming up, another opportunity again to give to something that we're, we're not going to personally necessarily even see the end of it or experience it in the same way, but it's helping build up God's kingdom to his glory. We're doing it together as a community. We can have a sense of accomplishment and the right kind of pride together. We're doing something to honor God in a tremendous, you know, in, in a tremendous way. The thing is, we go to finish this out, you know, we can go past Generosity Sunday. Uh, we can go past there uh, to create space to speak to each other. And then uh, we go to our next scripture. Just a reminder in this, this battle that goes on in our mind every day. He who is in you and me, he's greater than the one in the world. Amen. So we are going to win, but let's not be dumb about it, okay, or careless about it. And then as we go into the next passage, I love, you know, Palm Sunday, uh, this Sunday, we know where that's headed. It's headed to a challenging week, you know, in the life of Jesus, but he's being honored and celebrated here. In this next passage, this last passage in 1 Peter chapter 1, just think about what we have through Christ. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance that can never spoil, never perish or fade, the inheritance kept in heaven for you, even though you don't see him, you love him. Though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy for you receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In the next slide, uh, I'm going to say a prayer for uh, communion in just a moment. Next week is, uh, you know, is celebrated around the world Easter, celebrating the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Sherwin sent me a text uh, yesterday, and uh, he told me that one of our good longtime friends, uh, Pat Whitaker, had passed on to, um, you know, to be with God. Uh, Pat was, he was my roommate when I, in my senior year in, high, in, in college. He was in graduate school, I think in law school at the time. And that was, we had a soul talk in our room, 10 o'clock on Thursday night, I think, Reed Hall, and that's where, sure, when you came, you know, for the first time. And, uh, you know, Pat has lived a life uh, as a disciple for 50 years. And because of that, because of that, he's going to have a great future. And he, 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 he finished the race. You know, he won the war. Sure, he got battled and bruised like all of us. But our faith is not on how well we do in any of this stuff, but our faith is on an empty tomb on Jesus Christ, resurrected from the dead, who's given us the tools to be able to win and make progress in this war that goes on in our mind. Let's not be victims. Let's be overcomers as band of believers, be able to help each other serve and honor this amazing, great God and Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we're going to have communion right now. Thank you that we get to pause uh, for a moment. You know our thoughts, like the Bible says, our anxious thoughts. Um, you know us through and through. It's amazing that we believe and know that you love us, regardless of any of the stuff that we deal with in our lives. And we truly want to honor you and win these battles that rage uh, around us and certainly in our mind, and to be able to use your spirit, your word, and each other. And I think maybe most of all, to be able to focus on the cross of Jesus and the empty tomb and to be able to have faith and to be able to truly believe. Thank you for making a way when there was no way. In Jesus' name, amen.